Okay, tonight's title is Foundations, Repairing the Cracks. And uh, first of all, I just want to do a quick review of what the purpose of a foundation is. And because of what's familiar to me, I'm going to be comparing things to a building foundation, um, but it applies also to our families. And um, a building foundation gives you a surface to build upon, so your belief system. It holds a house above ground, so that translates into your family's values. Those values provide strength. And it keeps moisture and insulation against the cold and external elements, so a foundation in your family provides protection. And it resists movement of the earth around it. I don't know if you knew that's actually what a house foundation does, but it provides stability. So a foundation in our families brings that stability. There are three um, important points I want you guys to remember as we go through this, um, because we're not just talking to you, right? We're, we're talking to ourselves as we go through this. And I, I just want you to keep these in mind. Number one, foundations are made of imperfect materials. And although we pick and do our best to pick the best materials available, they're still not perfect. We are humans and we have flaws. Um, there could be defects in those materials that are not even visible to our eye. So in other words, when we're marrying somebody or we're creating a family, there may be things hidden in each other's past that we don't know about and that we're joining together. And in our own past, we may not know things in our own history. Um, any weaknesses that are in those materials can cause problems for the entire structure. So as a married couple and family, we're intertwined. So like a, weak, um, a secret that somebody is keeping, a weakness, that can affect everyone and will eventually be revealed. Outside and inside pressures can reveal what's hidden in those materials that we're building with. Okay? Number two, all foundations will have cracks. It's part of the normal settling process. So when you get married and, and or start a family, you are blending your thoughts, patterns of behavior, and paradigms with another person or persons. It's normal for cracks to appear in the first to two to three years of a home, naturally, a, a natural building. Um, the same is true for a family. Those first two or three years, a lot of stuff can come out. That's why it's so important to prepare for marriage and family. It helps you minimize the amount and the severity of those cracks. Learning how to address issues early is vital in helping you settle down and stay on course. And number three, I want you to remember that rarely is a foundation a complete loss. It can be repaired. And I'm, this is especially true when we're talking about marriages and families. The cost of repairs is determined by the severity of the damage that's been done. If the damage is great, don't expect full restoration overnight. Give it time. And I especially stress that when we're talking about families. Don't give up on your spouse, your children, your family. God always has a solution for healing and restoration. You can change your own mindsets and your wrong thinking. Okay? So keep those three points in mind as we go through and, and you hear things. Okay, so what causes cracks in our building foundations? 
also correlates to things that happen in our own families. Um, there are five that I'm choosing to pick out for this evening. Number one is not following the original building specifications or the blueprint that was created for construction. So maybe we didn't do things in God's order or according to his plan for marriage and our family. We may have had a lack of good role models, so we repeated what we knew, right? Because that's what we do. We only can do what we know. Um, number two, if you're using faulty building materials, like we mentioned before, this can relate to having wrong information, maybe lack of knowledge of the kingdom of God. I know for our family, we didn't understand the kingdom of God when we got married umpteen years ago, right? So we're still learning. And you may have undeveloped skills for being in relationship with others. Sometimes we just have not had that growing up, learning how to interact with people correctly. A third thing that causes cracks is too much pressure from the inside or outside the home. Necessary boundaries maybe were not established, so we didn't guard what was precious to us. We allowed outside influences to tell us who we are, what role we play, and often that comes from friends, coworkers, media, entertainment. Improper relationships and roles within our family, they maybe took us down a path we were not created to go, and it created a crack. Number four, temperature change or extreme temperatures can cause cracks in foundations. Volatile or poor communication leads to temperature changes in a marriage and family. Can I get an amen on that one? <laughs> an unforeseen event or catastrophe. We know life happens. Sometimes there's a death. Sometimes a child does something we were not expecting. Um, accidents can happen or sometimes really bad financial decisions that we make. Those can all change the temperature and shift things and cause a crack. Number five is the lack of maintenance, and this is the most common cause of cracks in a foundation. Unforgiveness is like water that is not correctly channeled away from the foundation. I don't know if you, if you have your own home, you rent a home, you'll know that sometimes water can cause some of the biggest problems going on with your foundation. That's like unforgiveness. Ignoring cracks can lead to very costly repairs. Don't ignore them. We take our spouse, children, mothers, fathers, aunts, uncles, all of them, we, we can take each other for granted. That can cause a crack. We don't invest time, energy, and emotion into our marriage and family. And I think that was one thing that I really stuck out to me from when the Smiths were here, was injecting our emotion into what we're building in our families. Okay, now we'd like to, and they're going to put it up on the screen for us, but we want to uh, read a scripture. We want you all to read it with us. It's Matthew 7, 24 through 27, and we're going to do the NIV version. Uh, this is one of the foundational scriptures that Pastor shared when when we started the family series. But if we can uh, just everybody see this together. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man who built his house on the rock. 
the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. <clears throat> so obviously, as we look at this, the rock that, of that foundation is Christ, God in our lives. A wise man is to build his house on the foundation of God's word and God's plan for, the lot, for their lives. Now, in Bible times, we're just going to kind of do a little teaching here. But in Bible times, in Jewish culture, preparing for marriage and, and a family was vastly different than what we see today. Uh, but they had a very low percentage of divorce. So here's what happened. The parents were involved in the decision of who married their son or daughter. The parents would come together and arrange the marriage. Today, young people, I'm going to encourage you, be wise in, in your search for relationships and get your parents involved early. If you are interested in someone, don't hide that from your parents. Let the adults in your life help you to evaluate. Young people, can I get an amen? Okay, kind of. Okay. <laughs> when the marriage was arranged, there was a prayer of benediction prayed over the young man and woman by the parents. At that point in time, they were as married as they would ever be. That was, that, they were married. But they would not to come together sexually for one year. Okay. During that year, the couple was never alone. There were always family members with them wherever they went, and again, whenever they were together. During this year, they learned uh, about each other and their families. They learned how to communicate, discussing their hopes, their dreams, their desires, and their lives together. They also spent time together on the Sabbath, receiving instruction in the law, praying together and with others, and sharing with each other about God in their personal lives and what he was doing in their lives. After the year, there was a wedding ceremony, celebration, and then they came together. Okay? So, here's God's optimum plan for developing a life relationship with a spouse. First, intimacy of your soul. So, learning how to share, communicate, it's your mind, your thoughts, your emotions. Building that communication of what your greatest desires are. Okay. Now again, we don't. We, these are kind of the basics of friendship, obviously. But when you think you have found someone that is the one, then that it just that soul intimacy is to become deeper. The next one is intimacy in spirit. Sharing the goodness of God in your life, praying, worshiping together. But obviously the first part of that is you both need to have Christ as the center of your life. 
Because there's no way to have spiritual intimacy without that first. And after the marriage, vows and ceremony, then sexual intimacy. The problem is that we normally, in our society today, don't do it in this order. Okay. So looking at our lives in marriage, many of us did not follow the blueprint. So we need to check our foundation. If these steps were not done or were done out of order, we still can recover. But we need to examine it and take care of it. Because like Dana said, those faults will eventually be revealed and cause problems. <clears throat> if soul intimacy is skipped and not strongly developed, you need to repair that foundational flaw. <clears throat> Intentionally plan times to just talk and honestly share your deepest thoughts, desires, hopes, and dreams. And do this ongoing. It's not just a one-time thing. Be sensitive enough to realize when your spouse needs to talk, then you need to listen. You know, sometimes for a spouse, listening to them is enough. But sometimes they need conversation. But, and we heard this earlier in, our, in the series, but listen before you respond. In Proverbs 18, 13, it says, He who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame to him. So be slow to speak. Be honest with, you, with each other. Have no secrets. The biggest problem with communication in marriage is that there is not enough of it. If you require yourself to always be honest, telling your spouse everything, it will do a couple things. First of all, it, it makes you hold yourself to the standard and it will keep you from making silly mistakes or bad decisions. Because if you have to tell your spouse about everything you've done, or if that's, that's what you put yourself in, you're not going to make as many foolish decisions. Okay. Um, next, um, it's important that your spouse doesn't find out from other people about something that you've done. That can be a huge issue in your marriage. Um, now, secondly, we're going to talk about the spiritual intimacy, and hopefully, because you attend AWC, you have a spiritual intimacy with God. So that's the foundation of that starting into a relationship. But with that, there needs to be devotional times together, listening to teachings together, and reading and sharing books, and discussing the books. Pray together. Pray the word together over your lives and your family. Isaiah 55.11 says, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Learn to pray together in the Spirit. Okay, So what I'm talking about is in your spiritual language, your, in tongues. Um, Romans 8, 26 and 27 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings too deep for words. 
And again, that, that scripture tells us why. Because sometimes when we pray with our spouse, we don't know what to pray. But if you pray in tongues, you're praying the perfect prayer into the situation from the throne room of God. And you're also not praying at each other, which is really important. I was just going to say that. We learned, we'd, we would do that when we were first married. Yep. God help him, right? <laughs> okay, so obviously to pray in the Spirit together, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So that's very key. So we're not judging anyone, but if sex was done before marriage, then your communication is based upon that act. Okay, now follow me on this for a minute. Because there is communication before, during, and after sex. But that communication has highs and lows with drastic temperature changes. And that communication originally could have been done out of, a, out of certain motives. For the guy, the motive was pretty much the intent of trying to get something to satisfy him. And for the woman, when she surrendered that, lots of times the reason was that she didn't want to lose someone. Okay. So again, we have to go and reevaluate if, if that was the case, because we can rebuild that foundation. Um, and that one thing that Dana mentioned earlier that causes uh, cracks in the foundation are those temperature changes or extreme temperatures. If sex is the only time you communicate, this is not a strong foundation. If there, were, if there was premarital sex, talk about it, ask each other for forgiveness, ask God for forgiveness, because you didn't see each other correctly. Then focus on developing a comfort and confidence to communicate openly and honestly with each other. Now, past relationships can severely affect building a strong foundation. We're going to mention these, and we want you, if you want more information about them, we've got, there's great resources in, um, in the bookstore. Mm -hmm. But ungodly soul ties, um, painful baggage from previous relationships, and like I said, there's great material available on all those areas, on both those areas. Some of the things that cause cracks in the foundation um, are, like Dana mentioned, the un unchanneled water uh, and the temperature changes and pressure. Uh, like she said too, unforgiveness is that unchanneled water in relationships. So we need to walk in forgiveness, be quick to forgive. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Unforgiveness locks you up as well as the one that you do not forgive. Matthew 6, 14 through 15 says, Jesus said, For if you give me their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And I guess for me, that, that whole water piece and unforgiveness gave me a great visual. Because unforgiveness can go into all parts of your life, just like water can get into very small places. Volatile or poor communications are the temperature changes in a marriage and relationship. 
that can crack your foundation. Now, Kevin and Denise talked about that. This Joshua talked about it. The Smiths told us that communication is the number one issue in marriages. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. The promise of life is that at some point in relationships, there will be pressure. Recognize early warning signs that pressure may be coming into your relationship. In the Matthew 7 scripture that we read, it says that the storms of life will come. It's not a matter of if, but when. Deal with it together with your spouse, and if needed, your family. Recognize if a situation is beyond you and your spouse to fix that situation and get professional help. So we've been talking about marriage. We also want to talk a little bit about when you introduce children into your family. Um, because the family foundation is expanded and built upon when you have children. In raising children, we again have the blueprint in God's word. Bible principles are as relevant now today as they've always been. They are not outdated. For guidance in raising your children, the book of Proverbs is so good. I remember we referred back to that many times um, in our own growth. And for example, Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's a great promise. Some other scriptures that are important found uh, in Ephesians. Yeah, Ephesians 6.4 says, And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. And Colossians 3.21 says, and this is in the Message Bible, it says, Parents, don't come down too hard on your children, or you will crush their spirits. Too hard. What does that mean? I mean, isn't that kind of like the million-dollar question? Um, that's something you really have to figure out for yourself. It's not something that um, what's too hard in our family may not be too hard in your family. Each child is different. They're fearfully and wonderfully made, gifts from God. It is vital to keep that in perspective because you cannot treat all your children exactly the same. In this case, one, one size does not fit all. Right. Consistency with your children is the key. We're to be good stewards of the children that God has given us. And that doesn't matter how old they get to be. We still have to be good stewards with them. Pray without ceasing and daily pray for wisdom for the Holy Spirit to direct you. With strong-willed children, which we have three in our household, uh, learn early the important difference of shaping their will and not breaking it. And there are so many good resources that have been written on that specific topic. I would encourage you, if you have a strong-willed child in your house, grab those materials and read as much as you can. You don't want to squash their, their will. And Proverbs 29.15 says, The rod and rebuke give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. And in the, that same scripture in the Message Bible says, Wise discipline imparts wisdom. Spoiled adolescents embarrass their parents. Pastor has said before, <laughs> something that's cute 
at two and three is something somebody will be locked up for when they're 19 or 20. Don't spank your children for mistakes, like spilling milk or accidentally breaking something. The rod should only be used when you see rebellion or defiance in their actions and attitudes. <laughs> Don't spank children for mistakes like spilling milk or accidentally breaking something. The rod should only be used when you see rebellion or defiance in their attitudes and actions. Like if they poured it on the floor. Yeah, right. Accidentally. It's a difference. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know, as parents, we get frustrated. I've, I've been there, believe me. Um, God expects discipline for his children. And Hebrews 12, 7 through 8 tells us this. It says, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there who a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not a son. God never disciplines us out of anger, only from a place of love. So learn how to not spank your children when you're angry at them. If you need to step back, evaluate where you're at, cool down, do whatever you need to do. Um, after disciplining your children, it's not a bad thing to hold them, hug them, teach them about what just happened. Um, if you don't give them instruction on what just happened, they may not get it. Um, to repair the foundation with your kids, when you realize that you have done something wrong with them, as soon as they are old enough to understand, talk with them. Get their forgiveness for your mistake. You're the adult in the relationship. And this can happen. We still do this to this day. Sometimes situations will come up with our own children. We'll be talking. And it's like, man, you know, I should have never done it like that when you were little. I mean, you, you recognize those things. We, we would be better parents today than when we first had our kids, right? What we learned. So in closing, we've, we're going to bring you eight points you can watch for and take care of, hopefully early, so issues don't develop into, into foundational flaws or cracks. Now, these can relate to pre-marriage, marriage, and also parent-child relationships. So number one, and they're going to put it up there so you can put it down, write down as a, as a reminder. Um, <clears throat> the revelation of pronouns. What's this, what this means is, um, does someone think and talk in what type of pronoun? Okay. If it is still the pronoun I and me instead of we and us, it's a problem for a relationship to develop and flourish. Before marriage, if either person still thinks in the thought pattern of I and me, you should probably wait to get married. <laughs> Okay, number two. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Preference or commitment. Ideally, before you are married, but at some point in a marriage relationship, you have to move from preferring that person to actually committing to them. Commitment is the foundation for covenant. And let me give you an example of that. Because I can prefer to be with John and go do something. 
some activity I enjoy. But maybe Phil comes by, and I prefer him more, so I'll go do an activity or something I enjoy with him. Commitment is when I'm committed to Dana, no matter whatever Phil comes up and wants to do, or John brings to me and wants to do. It doesn't matter. I'm committed here. I'm not going to go do something else with somebody else. Commitment is the foundation, the cornerstone of covenant. Okay. All right, the next one. They can put it up. Number three. The Clint Eastwood principle. Okay. Does everybody know who that is? Anyone not Maybe know not. who that is? I'm, are we dating ourselves? No. Okay. So here it is. This is the principle. The good, the bad, and the ugly. If you believe you're supposed to marry someone, before you are married, tell them the good, the bad, and the ugly of your life. Now, now use discretion in how you tell them and when you tell them. And how much you tell them at one time. Yep. I'm sorry. Please. But knowing all about your life details, all, know, them knowing all about your life details should not drive them away. If it does, it could be that they don't care enough about you, or it's triggered issues they may need to deal with yet. Okay, number four is in peacetime. During a time of peace in your relationship, set your rules of engagement or rules for disagreements and arguments. Have a preset demilitarized zone. Do not let disagreements escalate and become uncontrolled. And always honor the rules you have agreed upon. This works for your children as well. Okay, next, number five. No absolutes. Okay, in times of discussions or disagreements, never say, you always, or you never. Those are roadblocks to communication. Instead, say things like, when you do this, it makes me feel this way. Stay away from absolutes and talking at the other person. That's a really good exercise to do in front of your children and with your children, too. Because children will tend to use those words always and never. So if you can train them not to do that when they're young, it will help them immensely. Number six, open door policy. You need to always be open to try to communicate. Never close the door on communications and don't go to bed angry. And that is primary for parents, for, for their relationship, but also with your kids. Don't go to bed angry at your kid. Don't let them go to bed angry at each other. It only has time during that night to fester and grow worse. Check yourself. That's number seven. Um, be honest and ask yourself, do I treat others better than I treat my spouse or my children? I'll just leave it there. You can. <laughs> Number eight, satisfied or invest? Another question to ask is, 
Am I satisfied with my relationship, or am I willing to invest and do more in my marriage, more in my relationship with my children? It's not bad to feel satisfied, but without investing and continual investment, you cannot improve anything.